space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And letting us once again invade his social streaming... How do you describe a social streaming thing? His social streams. We'll go with that. I'm going to go for my social empire. You're so <laughs> letting us invade his social empire again is Dr. Squee. Hello. I, I'm just the only thing I'm worried about. Like, it's cool. I like that little video I put together for us, but I'm just worried they miss out on all our awesome dad dancing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we would dance. Oh, you mean the dancing we were just doing then during the music? Yeah. Right. I thought you meant shortly after that picture was taken, but... <laughs> they did miss out on that as well. That was pretty good night. Yeah, I think... Yeah, my memory of that night's fuzzy at best, so... Uh very drunk yeah <laughs> if your memory of that night was clear you weren't there exactly <laughs> so yeah we're here to talk about episode two of season three of discovery we covered episode one last week and we i think we we pretty much nailed it with our predictions we said we thought this was going to be the the flip side of the coin this one was going to be all aboard the discovery and find out what happens to them and i think i think we got it so yeah um, yeah. Like, I know you guys are only watching it on Netflix, but if you watch it on CBS <coughs> and they do a trailer, the trailer showed loads with the with Burnham and all sorts of other stuff. So the trailer was a total red herring as well to what ah, you actually think. Most it... of, most, in fact, everything in the trailer for next week's episode wasn't in next week's episode. Right, so was it one of them this season on Discovery kind of well, trailers? Next time on Discovery, uh-huh. so you assume that they mean the next episode, but... I mean, the, the only thing which I think we got wrong in our predictions was when me and Elliot were going, right, I can't wait until they blow open what's happening with that budgie alarm clock, but nothing. No, nothing. Yeah. I, um... I actually sent out a tweet to Olatundia Sunsami, the director... But I don't know. Maybe he's a busy guy because he's not got back to us. But he should have at least seen that you sent out a tweet and everything. Well, exactly. I've chosen the appropriate medium to contact him about parrots, exactly. uh, budgies. That's really rude of him not to reply to that. I will. I will keep everyone updated if we hear back from him. But I believe he's doing something silly like filming the opening episode of season four of Discovery, something like that. So I think he's a little bit busy at the moment. James, I want you to copy in the writer, the head of CBS. We want to see how far this this budgie alarm clock goes. We do need to know. (laughs) And speaking of the writers, in fact, this episode, we've got the same writing team and we've got the same director as last week. So it's... um, Autumn Diaz and Sammy's directing again, and we've got Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman writing this one. Um, you know what I think happened? I think these were not filmed back to back. Like I think these were all filmed at the same time. I think they only had limited time in Iceland, and they've probably done the whole thing in one block kind of thing. Oh, without a <laughs> doubt, that's yeah. how a lot of. Uh movies, TV shows yeah. get made. 
they made very much out of order. Oh, yeah. You're in a location and you film everything in that location. Yeah. Which, it's the same location, but are we absolutely sure this is the same planet in this episode? Um, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And there's a reason for that later on, but I mean, it's... It's clearly filmed in the same location. We're, we're back in Iceland. But, yeah, there is a clue uh, in the episode. So, before we start digging into the episode, for anyone who's watching live, we are going to go full-on spoilers. We're going to dissect it, rip it apart. We're going to give away everything that happens in this episode. So Yeah, if you haven't seen it, Watch watch this afterwards. Well, you know, w- watch it now, but just like put your device down so that Doctor Squee gets the the viewing figures and everything that he needs, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. watch it again. Let's start off then. So, as we pretty much guessed, we start back on Discovery. At the, the Discovery's still going through the wormhole thing when we actually start the episode, and we've still got that. Didn't this remind you a lot of um, Star Trek Four? How they were all knocked unconscious. Yeah. Travelling through yeah. time. But the and they sort of come round now. The actual effect is very much like the motion picture where they go into that accidental wormhole. Yeah. And it's everything sort of gets stretched, and it, it, so the special effects are like that. But you're right, the the effect and on the crew. All unconscious. I think it's only. Star Trek Four and this that's ever shown that time travel knocks you unconscious. And if I might also just throw into the grand mix here as well, um, Star Trek Generations, where like they crashed the Enterprise, like there was there was some notes of that in there as well. Yeah, along yeah. with the, like a bit of the um, the modern kind of like um, uh, the oh god, which um, beyond what am I looking for? The 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 new universe, um, the Kelvin universe, Kelvin universe. Yeah, there's now see this is, and you know of, there are reasons again for this. But when I was watching this with Chloe, my wife, it was like the the ship crashed, and she was like, "Ooh, the ship's crashed," and I was like, "Yeah, but it sort of carried on that almost Trek tradition of it being a woman flying the ship when it crashes." And it's like, well, of course it is because Detmer is the the helmsman of the ship. So, yeah. but I'm like, oh no, come on, we're getting a bit yeah. silly with this like, now. She does she does a great job actually of how she controls the planet. Yeah, yeah. Like they come out and all the controls are off, and they're gonna go into the atmosphere and they're gonna burn up, and she manages to turn them so the shields absorb some of it. She's Smashes through asteroids, no problem. Yeah, and I loved the effect when they smashed through that asteroid because you saw like trees and stuff on it, so it's it's an asteroid that, that's, that's a bit got. Reminds me a bit of um, generations because there's lots of trees. Which yeah, yeah. On Earth as it's going into the ground. I mean, if anything, this is what like Councillor Troy should be watching. It's like it is possible for a woman to drive a starship or, or you know land it as it's <laughs> crashing. It is, yeah, as, as Starship crashes in Star Trek Go, it's one of the more, one of the more successful, or one yeah. of the, the least kind of deadly, but I really like, um, I really like sort of how it shows the capability of the crew right from the start, like you have Saru coming round, taking his like, right, we need everybody back on the ball, and it's, you know, what are we going to do to do it? We'll try this roll and do the shields and everything, so... 
I think yeah, it shows we need the graviton beams to cushion our landing and the yeah, like the reflector it, shields and it shows the crew working really well together in a a big high pressure situation and it's kind of come a long way from you know at times in in season one it was kind of the michael burnham show with a few extras and i i do feel like we've come a long way from that now and we're getting a crew that can work together and you know we're getting a full episode here to all intents and purposes without michael in it and yeah she's not missed really you know and i'm not i'm not saying that in a bad way the the managed perfectly well to fix the ship yeah without her like, solve every problem in and, this episode without her. Exactly. Like I'm not one of these people who bashes Michael Burnham and you know all you know all this stuff. I'm I'm not down with that. But I do think it's good that the show can prove that it can do an episode without her and it can work. And yeah, I, I think a few of the episodes in previous series have felt a little bit like you know you've got to inject Burnham right into the center of it, yes. even if she doesn't like need to be there. Like, which I think, yeah, like you say, it's good to, to see the crew yeah, like, without, without her. Even in great episodes, like there was the great episode, the Harry Mudd um, time travel one. And that got flipped to make Michael the centre of it, even though Stamets was the character that was experiencing the time jumps. And in any other Trek show, that would have been a Stamets episode. Yeah. But it yeah. still had to do this thing where it meant... and. It may burn them there. And that's, you know, by and large, I don't have a problem with it, but I do like that this is showing we can do a Michael Burnham-less episode and it can still be great. it's like, it isn't called Star Trek Burnham. It's called Star Trek Discovery, so we want to see all the crew are are capable of doing things. Absolutely, and I think this is one of the best episodes we've ever had for that. Yeah. And I, I think I think you guys are right because I I do like the fact that they've done something different as opposed to doing the captain is, you know, just by kind of didn't being the captain the central mm. figure. Instead, they've told a story through Michael Burnham. I don't mind that at all. But it is nice, like you say. You know, I've never even considered that about that time travel episode. You're totally right. That makes a lot more sense if it's a Stam episode. I mean, you know, it, I think they have to realize that just because she's the central character doesn't mean she has to be central in every episode. She doesn't, like, no Star Trek's ever been like that. The captain isn't the central figure in every episode. No, in yeah. fact, it's quite rarely, really, when you you look at it. I mean, we did, in our uh, build-up to Picard, we did pretty much every Picard-centric episode of TNG, and it's a fairly small proportion yeah, of the... The whole lot. Yeah. But... Yeah, like Star Trek's always been an ensemble, though. I think it should be, even if, again, even if you change who is the central character. Yeah. Again, that's not a bad thing. I think they did it very well, but occasionally it's nice to have episodes like this. Yeah. yeah. And like... I think this one's really successful. So, yeah, we, we, we crash land then, and I like the bit where, as the ship's coming down, there's a really sort of intense bit where they're saying, brace, 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 and... That obviously sort of ties into modern times a lot more, because that's kind of... And and I only know this from watching the Tom Hanks film, Sully, but I'm pretty sure that's what they do on a plane if it's going down and they have all the cabin crew have to say, brace, brace, brace. Now, this is one, though, that shows the missing seatbelts, which shows it's a prime universe, because the tier went (laughs) to drives, 
next-gen Enterprise, Voyager, none of them had seatbelts until the Enterprise at the end of Nemesis. Which is a deleted scene yeah, as in well. In the Kelvin universe, yeah. they had seatbelts. You're absolutely right, yeah. They did. And it just shows, well, there are instances where you need a seatbelt still, even with your inertial dampers. Yeah, that'd have been... what happens. You destroy Vulcan, you get more safety conscious. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The, yeah. you know, wear your seatbelt for Vulcan. You can imagine there was like a, an advertising campaign for it. Hopefully not by Jimmy. Well, it was Jimmy Savile who did all the uh, oh, in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, I think well uh, for uh, for anyone who's listening who's not from the UK, don't Google Jimmy Savile. You really don't want to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> God, you've just actually made me like thankful of the one thing is at least he wasn't like around for a lot of the time of the internet. Otherwise, oh gosh, no. can you even? Oh. Let's not even. Let's not even go yeah. there. We don't want to do the Savile cast. No. So, uh, yeah, they crash land on the planet, and it does look very much like the planet from last week. It's it's very that's icy. My, yeah, that's my only thinking with what you guys are saying. Like, I do understand, like, later on in the episode, there's reasons why it might not be the same uh, planet. But the way they set it up, that it's in these sections, and that also that, um, like, the, the, the scenery just looks so similar. If they do it make does. a different planet, I will feel a little bit... Yeah, yeah it, it does. And, like, the fact that we've got, like, an outpost here that's got couriers coming to it is very much like... And they mention, like, we need to go to a mercantile to do some trading, and you you could imagine that that's the mercantile that Michael visited last week. So, yeah, there's a lot to imply there it is, but the... There is a bit later on where they ask the guys in the saloon and they say that... To be fair, put... when, to be fair when Michael came down, she went. She came down through a load of uh, spacecraft that were wrecked. Yeah. You know, near the orbit. And here, they're coming through into a planet that obviously has a ring system because there's that many asteroids <laughs> circling it. And you can even see them from the ground. Yeah. You have none of that. There is all them floaty things. And... It, yeah. The, the guy in the saloon says the planet was never never had a name, whereas we did get a name for the planet in last week's episode. So yeah. unless it's lost its name over the previous year and it's been erased from the history books, it it doesn't quite yeah, I, stack up. I, I just it's it's a really weird choice if it's not the same planet. Yeah, oh, definitely. Unless for some reason that ties into something else we haven't seen. Yeah, that that's I can only imagine that there must be either it's. A blip in the script, and they've forgotten that they gave it a name last week and well, didn't I, this I, week. Like, I think next week's episode, what we're going to get is um, the year of Michael Burnham. Maybe. I'm not oh, sure. I, I hope not. I, I, oh, at least we're going to get the first, we're going to get quite a lot of the year of Michael Burnham. Before oh, she's integrated into the crew. Maybe we'll get... I'm really hoping you're just going to get her talking about, like, oh, it's been such a tough year stuck here on my own. I only had, like, this guy to keep me company. I, I'm hoping it's just going to be that kind of thing, that we just skip over that year. And even gonna... if you look at, like, the first trailer that was released for Discovery, showed Burnham on, sort of on her own, and with the hair growing longer and all you're sorts right, of You're right, it did. So, Elliot, are you saying that you saw kind of, like, cuts of it kind of growing in time or what yeah the first trailer for discovery that was released oh 
I don't know how many months ago now. That was ages ago. Like different periods of Burnham, or or Burnham sort of away from the crew over a period of time. Oh yeah, but like you can either have moments when you separate, or you could have just like a few flashbacks to something which happened that year. I I just don't know if I want another episode of them. I want now, like, them to start... Yeah. Together. You only get so many episodes in the series. I want, like... It. I want to get on with the story now. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like we've caught up. We've done the two sides of it. And yeah. I want to go forward. I, I could live with... If if the pre credit sequence next week is a little montage... Um, before... Yeah, yeah the, a quick montage of the year. And then we're, we're off to the races. I'd be happy with that. Um, so, regardless of whether this is the same planet as last week or not, they quickly determine they're not on Terra Elysium. So, this, the, basically, the Red Angel suit has not fully done its job, has it? Because they were meant to get to Terra Elysium. The whole thing was, we're going to set this signal because that'll be a safe haven in the future. Well, let's be fair here. <laughs> like Michael Burnham's mum spent years building her suit and developing it and all sorts. And they printed this in, like, while they were waiting for Control to arrive before the battle in the last... Ah, so, really, this is a warning against 3D printing your own stuff. (laughs) I think think that they've rushed it and it's got faults. By the official stuff from the official CBS store, do not laser print your models, do not laser print (laughs) your uniforms. What if, though? What if? The fact that her mother like didn't land where she intended, and ni- now neither have they. I wonder if somehow there's going to be a reason for that that they, they both malfunction. Like maybe they're going to somehow meet a version of her mum from some point in the timeline here. Yeah, I think we're going to see a mum again at some point. Whether it'll be this season yeah. or not, I don't know. But uh... it just just seems to be a bit weird that the idea that they both ended up not where they intended. I think that's going to be linked somehow. Yeah. There's going to be a reason for that. Maybe they were drawing it to each other for some reason. Or it could be that the wormholes just opened in different places. Like, remember that Voyager episode that was linked to the next gen one? Oh, yeah. Where we had the one end of the wormhole was in a stable place, but the other end kept moving. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. could be. I mean,. At the end of the day, it's not a biggie. I don't mind if we don't come back to it, but I I do feel like, uh, I forget her first name, but Mrs. Burnham Sr., I don't feel like her story's done yet. Mama Burnham. Yeah. It just feels like that's too much building up to something for me, those two events. Yeah. It it seems a bit silly. She's gone to a different place, yeah. Burnham's gone to a different place and now Discovery's in a different place Yeah, so I, I think we're going to find there's some sort of next reason for that Yeah, we've Either done the Red Angel yeah. suit or just like maybe this planet for some reason. We've put yeah. up a lot of scaffolding to not deal with it in some degree. That's so, how I feel yeah. So we, we set up then the main thing in the episode is the ship's knackered we've got to fix the ship and yeah there seems to be two main elements of this. So there's the internal comms, which is a little thing that well, Bryce pulls out inter- of the wall. It's all comms. It's all comms, yeah. So that that's one thing they need to do. And then there's the other thing that Stamets needs to fix in the Jeffrey's tube. So which we, is uh, the, the ruptured EPS relays. Yeah. 
So we've Can got. Can we just give a, give a moment for how wonderful it was to see uh, that wonderful couple again, like the Doctor and the and Stamets. Uh, sorry, what's the dog's name? Frank Colbert. Colbert. Yeah. Seeing Colbert and Stamets together again, just like just they remind you how wonderful they kind of are as a couple, because it's like you've all like there, there are a lot of those couples you know where one's really prickly and the other one just tells them to shut up every now and again. Oh, yeah. They're the nice one usually though. Yeah, I mean, they are great. The only thing, though, that I thought this episode is you get the bit where Stamets is in sickbay and they bring him out of his coma, which kind of feels like, oh, I really wish we hadn't written him into a coma at the end of last series. Don't matter, just bring him out of it, it's fine. Just <laughs> don't worry. Um, and you get this bit where he, Stamets is sort of back-chatting him and Culber's like, you know, shut up and... Like you say, and it's the great, it shows the great dynamic they've got between the two of them. However, if you go back to the end of season two, the sequence of events was Colbert had broken up with Stamets and said that he was off to the Enterprise. Then he turns up right at the last minute and goes, I'm back. Um, and then Stamets goes into his coma. So it's, I like that they've got them back to where they were. But if you watch these episodes back to back, I'm like, I think Stamets would be within his rights to be like, don't be giving me that sass right now. Hang on a second. You've only just strolled back in, son. But, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, they've had a couple of years, those two. I mean, between everything with Stamets and being linked to the mycelial, oh, yeah, my, yeah. mycelial yeah. network. Well, and then you you got like uh, the doctor was dead and then he's like yeah, yeah. I mean gee, that's that's a couple of years for any couple. Oh, it really yeah. is, and I think you know again you can give it the benefit of the doubt that at this moment in time Stamets is probably just happy to see him and yeah. we can let bygones be bygones. I'm sorry, after two years of that kind of plot as well, I think they just want to okay, we've got so much going on, we cannot dedicate a lot of time right now to this as much no. as we love to. They're back together. They're good. Just, just let's move on. Yeah, exactly. I'm fine. I'm, up, I'm fine with that. I'm happy that yeah, we I'm are where fine. we are with them. And I love the relationship between Stamets and Reno, which is just a great sort of bickering. Because like um, you said, Squeed, the, the thing with Culver and Stamets is the these opposites. But Reno and Stamets are very similar, and they they bounce off each other brilliantly. Although, like, I've just got to like, I, I cannot be the only one who thought this. When Reno sat down in that little, it was like a little trolley thing. Yeah, I was hoping beyond hope in some sort of medical box was going to shut, and it would have bleeping lights in the front. <laughs> Surely, a lost opportunity there. Like, he could have been doing some repairs on her back. It would have made perfect sense. Yeah, and had this been an episode of Lower Decks, I think we probably would have done that. I don't care. You could have got away with it here. Like, oh, it, was, it was repairing your back. It's a, it's the same kind of medical unit, but obviously she has different ailments to him, so she can talk still. I can, I can explain that within the context of canon, because... Captain Pike had his vision of his wheelchair thing. So if I were him, I'd be like, get all them off the ship. I don't want any of them anywhere near me. It's just a current bit of tech for that time. So, you know, the, the Discovery's got one, the Enterprise's got one, everyone's got one about. Like, they, they were all the rage in the 23rd century. I'm in the right century there. 
yeah, I think you were. So, yeah, yeah we could have done that. And I like the fact that all she does is moan about her back for this whole episode. <laughs> like, but weirdly, yeah, and, and she... like, we, we've got time and we've got the resources for Stamets to go in a dermal regenerator for one cycle, even though he should have had three or what have you. But we can't sort Reno's back out. Like, can't we give her a shot or anything? It just I just the, like the fact that she basically said, like, look, if you really want to crawl up that ladder, but I can't with my back, I don't know about you. He's going, yeah, sure, I'll go for it. He's just such a dick that he, like, even when he shush kebabs through the stomach. Yeah, oh, yeah. going, yeah, I can do that. And she knows that she can elicit that response out of him as well. Like, she's she's <laughs> yeah, got his number. I honestly think, though, she was saying that in a way it's like, look, not even we're such a dick to do that, and like knowing their similar personalities. I think he, she was kind of saying it would be so stupid, don't feel like you've got to do it, but I'm not going to stop. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, she be surprised. Because they were going to get, um, I forget the character's name, but Arium 2 or Arium 1 or whatever she was. Do, do you know about this, Squeed? That she, the, the blonde lieutenant who turns up towards the end. Um, and and Reno just sort of like fobs her off, but she yeah. was she played Arium in season one, and then a different actress took over as Arium season two and got killed off, and then they brought back the original actress as a different character. Ah, oh, sweet. So I think it was I think her agent got wind of Arium getting killed off. Like, look, we'll say that you don't like the latex, and we'll get you out of it for season one. Then when they kill her off. You can come back in and not have to get all the makeup on it. It'll be fine. One thing which I wanted to bring up, like now, it actually relates back to the quite the one question we got last week. By the way, anyone watching wants to slip us a question, please do, and we'll we'll chat about it. Absolutely. But, but there was um, the the person asked about kind of like uh, basically how we feel about larger people in the future, given that you know. Uh, I, I think basically we all kind of agreed that we're going to no problem with a larger person on screen in the future. It's just by then the medical side of it will be sorted is the only question. Like, you know, yeah. obviously if we're larger these days, then our health can be at risk. So like that is a thing. But apart from that, cool. The one thing I did think, did, now I don't mean this in any nasty way, but given that this is meant to happen right after the last episode, mm-hmm. has any problem a bit away. I'm not doing it in a fat shame way. It just took me out of it a bit when someone changes sides sizes when it's meant to be straight after i'd say the same she got thinner yeah possibly i don't i don't know maybe i mean um i mean yeah you're right because that if that is the case I, i can't remember it's a while since i've watched the end of season two um but like famously in the best of both worlds like finishes with Riker, mr war fire and it's slightly fuller of the face in part two, but you know, so yeah, you always have that problem when you you have an immediately after kind of thing, and 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 so Nicola and I both noticed, and like it just reminds me of like there was a sitcom back <coughs> in the nineties, I think it was called The Upper Hand, uh, where one of the McGann brothers, I will say Joe. One of them, anyway. Uh, they go into a, a tunnel of love at the end of the of, of the, a series, and the beginning of the next one, they come out, and he's lost a ton of weight. Yeah, and it's really obvious. And again, it's not a thing of like that she's put on weight. It's like the fact that she's changed weight. No, it's yeah. Weight. When someone's physical appearance changes between seasons, I mean, you got it a lot with um, again in the nineties with Friends. Like they'd all get a new trendy hairstyle in between seasons, 
And so you'd have to have a scene really early in the new season going, hey, we've just been to the barbers. And, you know. Or Phoebe's just cut her hair in the bedroom they had. Yeah, stuff like that. And um, so, yeah. um, There used to be an American soap opera that was broadcast on a morning over here. And it's when I was at college, so I had a funny timetable, so I used to catch it a couple of times a week. And they used to fire actors all the time and just replace them as characters. So you'd have, like, you might have in a season somebody changed six times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'd be the same character, but... (laughs) They did it in Dallas for a whole series. Uh, Miss Ellie changed to Donna Reed. gosh. most famous for um, It's a Wonderful Life, and then changed back to Geddes, something Geddes, Barbara Geddes. Yeah, and obviously, famously, Dallas did the It Was All a Dream season, which the thing I love about that is that they did the spin-off, Knott's Landing, and Knott's Landing acknowledged things that had happened in the season that then turned out to all be a dream. So it, it <laughs> knackered the continuity of another show by doing that. So, yeah. Was Gary, Ewing? Gary Ewing? Gary Ewing, I can't remember. It was Bobby. It was Bobby Ewing came out of the shower and he, he'd got oh, killed. He was in Knott's Landing. Oh, was it Gary? Right, was the other one. Yes. Crazy, crazy stuff. But Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, I don't know. I'd have to watch the end of season two again. Um, but you're right. Things like that can be really distracting if someone's someone's changed in between seasons. Um, so, yeah, we're back on the show. So, ultimately, they have to sort of set off, don't they, to go and fix the, the comms thing. It's the main unit that powers the commu- communication and they haven't got enough of some exotic metal to repair. Yeah. Well, they have to rebuild it, don't they? It's irreparable. Yeah. And there's a bit of sort of back and forth of how do we present ourselves to these people. And should go. <laughs> and it's... Like, you... Giorgio comes up, doesn't she, while they're sort of discussing this unit. <laughs> like, I love it. The first thing, it's like, Tilly goes, you've got a bit of a... Uh, Leland on your shoe. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> like, you see later, don't you, in the spore compartment, she hasn't just um, killed him. She has stomped him to pieces. That's it, yeah, because she wasn't in the compartment with him when he died, so she's gone in afterwards and, and stamped on him. stomped him to pieces. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, I, I just love Giorgio so, so much. She's so great. Much. I love the fact that due to the fact that this is kind of like an adult Star Trek, you can have her just being completely brutal. Just like that is exactly what that character would do. But in another Star Trek, you'd have to have it happening all off camera and all suggested, but you could just see the gore. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask you guys about this. With Giorgio, several times this episode, um, Saru calls her Commander, which, is that correct? Because last time she was in active service with Starfleet was when they were pretending that she was Prime Georgia and uh, they'd put her in charge was, as the captain. Was, I think she was the commander commander when uh, when they put her in Section 31. Right. They were a commander, I'm sure they did. Okay, right. so that's her Section yeah. 31 rank. Okay, yep. yeah. I'm good with that. 
when it just... Jojo and the whole conversation with Saru, like, is it just me or, or it doesn't make sense to me why Jojo is isn't on Saru's side with this? Saru saying like we should be cautious, not tell everyone who we are. Like, even though they might know the the ships here, we don't need to give ourselves away. Surely that's just good protocol, and surely she will be the one saying. Let's keep secret because that's what well, section one does. Well, yeah. I, I got I got the impression a lot of this episode that Giorgio is actually challenging Saru's authority. That she doesn't think yeah. he's fit to be the captain and being commanded. She's she's sort of subtly challenging his authority all the time, and yeah, he, she's not. He, he tells her to go. He orders her to go help on part of the repairs for the ship and she completely does something different yeah, she, yeah the tab, but like you're right it does build up a pan yeah, she does do her own thing she does it a few times uh, in fact towards the end she's literally pointing a, a gun at him <laughs> though she no, does I mean, stand down at the end yeah but for me for me though i'm just watching like just everyone apart from Saru seems really dumb about like, oh, let's just go out and just say who we, who we are. Like, burn them straight away. Boom, first person I meet. I'm just going to tell them all about <laughs> yeah. me. Like, Saru's yeah. the only one who's going, we don't know the lay of the land. Maybe we keep it a little bit secret for a minute. Yeah. Okay, they may have seen the ship go down, but it doesn't mean we have to give any more information than the information we've already bled. Yeah, we're 930 years in the future. We don't know what the political situations are. We don't know if there's a federation. And, we don't know. And as he... The Klingons might have taken over the whole galaxy by now. And as Saru rightly says, like, we're in possession of knowledge, um, i.e. the sphere data, but also knowledge of the spore drive and of their mission, which has all been classified. You know, and we don't know how that will impact this world. Because yeah, the, we don't know what they've discovered or what they haven't in that Yeah, the, the knowledge that's in the sphere data was way beyond anything that they're probably up to even at this stage in the galaxy. You know, there was hundreds of thousands of years of, of knowledge there, yeah. and they know that access to that knowledge by an artificial intelligence can destroy the entire universe. So, yeah... Air on side of caution. I think Saru's making a good call here. Yeah, yeah but, I, I, I don't get why more people on, on, on his side. But the, the yeah, benefit of it... making the right call, but I think Giorgio arguing against him is actually for ulterior motives yeah. than the fact I that think she you're right. with him. I think she's, she's... She's challenging his authority all the time. She's seen no, how far she can push him. And, yeah, yeah. She's, she's chipping away at him. I personally don't think she wants him to go, okay, you can be the captain. So I, I, I don't think that would amuse her. Whereas no. I think being where she is and just needling him and needling him is, and that's not a reference to Saru's things that he shoots out of his head. I'm not being <laughs> Kelpianist. Um, but I, I think that amuses Giorgio more. And I think at the minute, she's happy just to go along for the ride while ever it, fits her there's, agenda and it it, it gives her amusement. The side of it that her pushing him and needling him all the time. She's she's actually trying to make him be authoritative and be a captain and be in charge. Yeah. And take command. I'm going to be the biggest pain in the ass you can possibly have to <laughs> deal with. If you can deal with me, you're going to be able to deal with other things. That is. You know, a- I, 
I think you're more though on the money with her, just just patronize, just trying to like uh, wind him up and just trying to control him. I I don't think she's that helpful to uh, teach him to be a better captain. I, I think he, well, he's just trying to. I don't know because he does say to her later on, like I am the captain of the ship that brought you here, and she's not stupid. And she's obviously, we find out later on in the saloon scene that she's quickly deduced a lot about this world. Like she says, you know, you're not the only people who have seen this crash and there will be other people coming and your ship's not powerful enough. So she's quickly got the lay of the land and she's not daft enough to think, wait a minute, Saru's got a crew, he's got a ship, he's got a ship with a spar drive, it serves my interests to you know, keep on side with them, at least for the time being. Speaking of which, can we go to the saloon now? Yeah, let's go. The, oh, just before we go there, sorry. I think there's uh, a beautiful bit where Saru names his away team, which is Tilly, and Nan goes, what, her? And then she sort of looks at Tilly really apologetically, and goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last bit before we get to the saloon, sorry. The, where Saru says to Tilly, you're a wonderful first impression when we meet these... And that's just such a lovely thing to say to her there's when they're on the... Another, there's actually another thing I'd like us to look at before we go to Saloon. What about Deepma? Like, after the crash on the planet, she ah, stays. Yes. And, and this carries on throughout the episode, how she is. And I wonder, are we going to see more of this? Has she got some sort of... Uh, post-traumatic stress because to send us to sick pain sick pain sends go you're fine but she obviously isn't when she leaves yeah i'm Kulda looks at her when she's leaving and he notices that she's not right yes he does i I, you see this is it they say you've got no neurological problem it's like yeah but check her implant you know her brain might be fine but what that thing could be malfunctioning Maybe it's keying into something like well, a signal. One of the, the popular theories online at the minute, and I really hope it's not this, is that some element of control has got into her implant. And but oh, I, I I really don't want to do that again. We we've no, done I, I, that story. I, I think I think season two we had the control story and it was destroyed. Yeah. We had we had Arian got Infected by yeah. control. We don't need that happening again. No, we've done it. it on, on the ship, have they got any record of control? Well, they've got bits of um, thingy Leland all over the place. But... Yeah, they've got a bit of biohazard content. But but like, I'm just wondering if they've got anything in the files. Because one thing they could do, which would be different, but kind of would uh, have impact in that storyline, is the idea that as they're trying to re-establish connection with the Federation, re-establish Federation, maybe you've got this information which they've got to protect. Like, if, if other parties are trying to get hold of it, someone gets wind of it, that could be an be. interesting kind of thing. Yeah. And, like, the race, can they get the security of the Federation to protect that information? But then, before... if you're going to do that story, the again, the sphere data is more, potentially more monumentous than that. So, I personally, I hope we've put that story to bed, especially yeah, because... I, I, I think we did control. Yeah. We had a season of it. We had a great battle for an episode. We saw, we've seen Leland's been squished to pieces. And that was, 
I think control has been put to bed. I yeah, really I hope so. Dietmer has not been infected. But I would like to see an exploration of PTSD. I know we, we did yeah, that with Ash I, to I an extent in season one. That, to look at that. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of real-worldy kind of stuff in this in Discovery, which I really like. Yeah. Again, like I was saying last week, the whole idea that they put like the actual term... Um, uh, wildlife conservation. Yes, like they use yeah, the term yeah. conservation. And I think you're right. Maybe it's time for a control alt delete. Oh, good one, good one. Well <laughs> done. Go on then. Let's go. Let's talk about the saloons. So uh, oh, they get I to the saloon. I mean, to me, it's the oh, we don't get like Georgie yet. So let's yeah, sorry, go, you guys go. Yeah, they they wander in, and we've even got the the swinging doors, and the, well, the, the, the transport there, don't they? The walking yeah. along. And they, they pass through some invisible shield that transports them to outside the door. Yeah, it looks like an instant transporter when you you walk through yeah. it. And there might as well be a guy playing the piano and the music stops and they all look over. Yeah. Because uh, it is that. And we're, we're doing all the tropes of that. And it's great. It It reminds me of... This is the sort of thing we might have done in the original series... Though, in the original series, as it literally was in one episode, it would have just been the Wild West, whereas we're, we're a step removed from that in this. We're doing, we're doing sci-fi Wild West. We're basically doing Firefly. We're doing the, yeah. the opening of the second episode of Firefly, where they're in a saloon. <laughs> but um... I, th- I think what I really enjoy about it as well is the whole thing of, like what I was saying, I was worried I'd miss this series in the Federation. Like, you know, that's my warm, happy place, just knowing the Federation's out there. Even though it's TV show, like in these mad times, you need these kind of symbols. Mm. Uh, I love the fact that you're now seeing like those brothers who own the bar. They're kind of like going, the Federation, like it's it's a symbol of hope to a yeah. new group yeah. of people. No, it's, that, that felt so heartwarming to me. It's definitely still known, the Federation, and... And there's it, definitely still memories of what there were about. Yeah, the impression the, the I'm people, getting is that... Yeah, the, people are missing them. Yeah, it's it does exist. It is out there, but it just can't... It doesn't have the reach because of the all the stuff with the dilithium and everything. So, so you know, we were talking last week, I think it was you, James, who asked, like, you know, would they maybe have done this storyline had they known everything with COVID? I think, actually... Even though the first episode, again, just hearing the Federation was wiped out, really bummed my shit for a bit. I think now I can actually see that uh, the idea of hope being brought back to people as we need in these times yeah. could be really resonant. Like it really was with me in this episode. Just that idea of just two brothers who just like heard about the uh, Federation, saw as the symbol of hope, mm. and like now the hope has come to them finally. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And because one of them says like... Um, you know, oh, he never, he, he never gave up hope, and he always said we were still part of the Federation no matter what. So, you get this impression that these are citizens of the Federation, but you've got these third parties like the Zara, Zara bloke we're about to meet, who they're coming in saying, "No, you're not part of the Federation anymore. I'm in charge here." But yeah, the Federation isn't policing anymore. So, yeah, that's the thing. They are still part of it, but. Does that matter if you've not got access to the resources of it? And yeah. the the answer for this guy was yes, it does because it it like they said last week, it's it's bigger than 
a ship or a, a starbase or whatever. It's a, a philosophy. So, yeah, I think we're we're already seeing that more this episode than we saw it last episode. Yeah, it really feels like the federa- the federation being put back together from the bits which are still out there, as opposed to rebuilding from scratch, which yeah. is a bit. I would have hated because that's the idea that the Federation was killed. Even if it's an ideal, they still want some pieces of the original to be there to rebuild from. Yeah, and I yeah. think we're seeing that that is the case as we yeah, go along I think with it. A bit more, as opposed to rebuilding or building from scratch, I think it's going to be more pulling what's still there together and reconnecting. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. finding ways to make it work again. And again, yeah. again like you say, Squeeze, this may very well tie into our, when I say our, I mean globally our situation at the minute because we are having to find ways to make things work again after after things have changed a, a huge amount. So Oh, I mean, just look at what's happened to the cinemas just in the last few weeks, like yeah. them all shuttering down basically or like reducing service or shuttering down for now. And just um, like that's something we need to rebuild. I, you know, I don't want to overdo it, but at the end of the day, at a time like it might have seemed corny to have this conversation in another time, but to me, at a time when you've got uh, the least feeling of hope about in the air, you need the, the these things of hope to cling on to, like you know your favorite TV show, like yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, this, this is what we need right now: these symbols of hope. Yeah, these are the stories that I think again we in a broader context need to be telling and we need to be receiving these kinds of stories at the minute. And this, yeah. It could be so much more powerful than like, you know, even though I love that Pike series and, the, and even the series before, this is a series we need right now, I think potentially. Yeah. And it, yeah. it makes you wonder what, you know, they had a long time obviously to edit it. And I wonder if they've played up elements of that in the editing, you know, it, it, there could be a really fascinating behind-the-scenes look at this at some point. Uh, you know. I, don't, I think that it's actually being planned that there's this open, the Federation think, racing that people are missing. Yeah. Because they can't give us um, a Federation that was starting to look like it was breaking or broken. Mm. So in the 800 years, whatever problems were there, have been fixed, and the Federation had been something great again, and and people make really Federation great again. Is that what you're saying? Sorry? <laughs> what, so make, make Federation great Federation again. Great again. I'm not to, I'm not going there. <laughs> well, Walker said that, didn't he? He was going to make the Empire glorious again, or something. <laughs> that was one of his sound bites. Um, no, yeah. you were explain that. It just does make me wonder if, like, already they were thinking. Before COVID hit and everything, maybe there were things, I'm going to try and steer around the politics a bit, but maybe there were certain things which to Star Trek fans, which maybe is traditionally a bit left-leaning, maybe the times felt a little hopeless already. Mm. And then when COVID hits, just even more reason why we needed some good news in 2020. Yeah. So let's get to the villain of the piece then, as he... He enters. So we, we get the classic, again, we're doing all the things of Western tropes. We start with his feet and we go up and it's all very sinister and everything. But to me, and I'm the last person to talk about hairstyles because I don't have one. 
Um, so, but he's kind of rocking a mullet, and <laughs> the mullet is not a threatening hairstyle. That guy's a really good actor as well. He was he's great. In the last, uh, few series, or was it just the last series? Of what, uh, he sorry? Was the kind of... Say again? In, what, in which show, sorry? In Homeland. He was... Ah. Um, he was this guy who was kind of like this internet conspiracy nut. Oh, was and he it? ended up being in the center of events through doing that. And he was just aware of his depth, but then he was right. suddenly trying to use it for political power. It's a really interesting storyline. But he's been in a few shows where he seems to be, right, we need a baddie in this series. Who have we got? That guy. Like, you know, he's one of those guys. No, I like, I thought it was fantastic. And it, it like... The way he's really sleazy with Tilly is just awful, and you you just want to punch him, and it and it kind of it is that kind of thing of it's an easy one to go for. Like I think on TV tropes they call it kicking the puppy or whatever, where you take the the most beloved, most adorable character, and you have someone do something horrible to them, and then immediately we hate that character. So. By having this guy be sleazy with Tilly, you do despise him. But the performance is fantastic. And I think the performance overcomes the slightly questionable hairdo. Uh, but just at first, I was like, oh, that's not that intimidating. <laughs> and the bit where he gets like starts uh, lasering folk with that kind of torture. Laser yeah. Torture yeah. I did not see that coming at all because you're just so used to Star Trek phases being like, it either just stuns you, kills you, or like vaporizes you. Very simple settings you've never seen really. Well, I can't think of an instance where you've uh, seen someone... to be fair, in the uh, mud episode, Magic to make the Sanish Man go mad. We see a lot of different weapons start with that are designed to cause oh, yeah, when he's... huge amounts of pain. This graphic though, and brutal. No, I don't think it's this. You've got like the blood coming out and yeah. it what it reminds me of yeah. and it, it wasn't realised as viscerally because it was in the original series. Uh but it reminds me of the agonizers in Mirror Mirror. Yeah. And it's sort of like that so I bet Georgia well she said you know Georgia's like, I like my weapons. So when she gets older, one, I think that is exactly the sort of thing she'd enjoy. But um, yeah, effect on that really made me sit up and go, Jesus, that's brutal. You know, it's like yeah. the earlier moment where you saw them cleaning up bits of, of Leland. It's like now you've got someone literally being torn apart from the inside. Yeah, oh, it is horrible. Of how evil that weapon is, and he does it to the Cal, the character who you know is a really sympathetic character at this point, and. Yeah, no, he's definitely a baddie, and the performance is great. Now, I want to pick up on something this guy says. He berates Saru, and he starts speaking in this language that he calls pidgin. Um, so it's like, you know, like a, a pig Latin, pidgin English sort of language, and Saru can't understand it. And he calls Saru a vedredge captain. Now, do... Either of you guys remember where we've heard that word before in Star Trek? I will. I will let it go because I had to Google it. I'm not pretending that this came to me in a flash is when that I heard the one it. That's, it's the Vidredge from uh, Lower Decks. No, they are from the the, the other. Vidredge is something that you'd see in a Klingon porn film. <laughs> you might do. They are mentioned in Calypso. The Vedredge ah. are who uh, Kraft, the main character, says that his species have been at war with. Ah. 
So, I did a bit of digging in this, and by digging, I mean I looked on Memory Alpha, and um, Michael Chabon, who wrote Calypso, has confirmed that the dredge is the pidgin word for federation. So this guy's calling Saru a, a federation captain, but he's using this pidgin term for it. And now if we tie that back to Calypso, craft, craft species were at war with the federation. But we still don't know exactly when Calypso takes place. But... So do we yeah, that... Calypso's one of those. Somehow they have got to do that in the series. I've my theory it's is been on TV, so it's canon. Oh yeah, it's definitely canon, and they definitely know where they're going with it because they've dropped this word two years ago now that we're bringing back in here, which yeah. shows that they probably had a lot of forward planning going on with Discovery. Um, my theory is that despite what she says in this episode. I think Giorgio's going to want to go back to her own time. I think she's going to steal the Discovery, take it back to her her own time, and, but then she's not going to leave the crew stranded and she's going to leave it for them somewhere off the beaten track where they can find it again in the future. And during that thousand years that Discovery's left waiting for the crew craft species are going to be at war with the Federation. Because we only met him, and he seemed a good guy, but that doesn't yeah, mean to say that all his species are good guys. Means, that that can be very deceiving, Kai, when you just see one guy who's rescued from an escape pod. Yeah. And he's given food and clothing and shelter and medical assistance, and then he's given help to get back to wherever he yeah. wanted to be. So, so you see, you you can get a very false impression of what the guy's actually like. Well, I think he was a good guy, but it doesn't mean that his species were all good guys. Yeah. And even if they were good guys, they could be at war for, with the Federation for all kinds of reasons. So we really don't know. I mean, but yeah, the, if my theory pans out, that gets... Gets Michelle well, Yeoh back in the timeline to do the Section 31 show with Shazad well, Latif. It I gives us the shit back. On a show a few weeks ago. Yeah. But that it, the Vidredge could just be one uh, quadrant's part of uh, the Federation. Yeah, yeah. Because we found out last week that the different parts are in contact with each other. No, exactly. Yeah, it could just ah, be. So maybe, we, maybe this series we find the Federation, then next series... We sort out the problems in the Federation, maybe with this rogue well, element. Well, that's it. You might have yeah. in one quadrant, they might be trying to uphold exactly what the Federation has always done. But in another, where they're cut off, they might have changed completely and think, and well, it we could... need the resources from this planet, so we're going to attack them. We need this from that planet, so we're going to try and take it. Or maybe, like, you know, the, the main core of even that little pocket of the Federation is good, but they're under a tyrannical leader. You yeah, know? So you or it, it could be the craft species, whoever they are, are fighting against the Federation for perfectly legitimate reasons, like the Maquis were, you know, that they, yeah. they weren't wrong in what they were doing. Some of their methods were, were wrong, but... Federation were the ones in the wrong what they did. Yeah, exactly. That so when, these are your planets, 
sods off, we're giving them to the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much what they said. And that's what the Federation literally did there. And then so, to... The Marquis, even though they're made out to be terrorists in Star Trek, especially DS9, they actually very wrongly portrayed. And then to sort it out, Cisco just nuked an entire planet. Where, oh, yeah. He didn't nuke <laughs> it, but he... It was sort of biological warfare that he dropped on it, so... Hmm. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. the Marquis were actually bad guys. The Marquis were perfectly in the rights, what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think some of the things they did was a bit iffy, but um, another thing that uh, this Sarah guy says, he says, oh, you know, some of you don't like it, but the burn was the best thing that's happened to me. And he said, Wait, how old are you? Because that'd be like me coming in here. Yeah. That'd be like me going to you. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. The First World War was the best thing that happened to my business. Yeah. And it's like... like last, last week, I got the impression from... Uh, oh, what was his name? Book. Book. From what Book said. That the burn had happened a couple, two or three generations previously. Yes, yeah, 100, 120 it years ago. Lifetime. It was... Yeah. He said over 100 years. But the, the thing is, A, how long lived is the guy who we saw in the bar? Well, his and hairstyle's B, been there since the it, 70s. It's possible also that he didn't, uh, he like, you know, even if it happened before his time, it was advantageous to he was born in the world. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah. Like, I'm being very nitpicky, but it's it's just a weird thing yeah, to say. It, it, it's sort of like, he should have... Uh, Unless it's taken so a hundred years for the Federation to completely collapse. Yeah, could be. Um, but he, he talks about it. He talks about it as though it's something that sort of directly benefited him, like, you know. Yeah. It almost as if someone's saying, Well, you know, the banking crash uh, actually benefited my business. You know, it's something that's within living memory. But like you say, it how lifespans have been affected Could this be. time in the future. Like in, in um, Deep Space Nine, Next Generation times, we did have references to, uh, you know, to, to people being like hundreds of oh, years Oh, yeah, and this guy might yeah, not even like, be human. Is so... it meant to be about 97 or yeah. something in Picard? So it is established that people are much longer lived. Yeah, and he might not even be human, so he may well remember it, you know. Yeah. Now, while I am being nitpicky, I'll pull out this other bit and then I'm going to stop picking holes in the episode. But there's a bit back on Discovery where Nan uh, basically is talking to Reno and she says, oh, Giorgio says she was going to come up here to help you. And Reno goes, what? And you believed her? And it's like, (laughs) so the security chief is duped by Giorgio and needs an engineer to tell her that this has happened. It's like, really? And you're you're the yeah. new head of security. Like, I suppose it's better than a Klingon sleeper agent, but you're well, not making good. Um... Well, I think I think to be fair here, uh, her coming over as security agent probably doesn't really like doesn't know Georgia as much. Uh, like she's come point. over from the Enterprise right at the end, and her experience with her is. Um, Going yeah. together. Yeah, you you're right because Pike has worked out who she is, 
But, yeah, Nan probably doesn't know, though, hasn't had time to be brought up to speed as to the fact that this isn't prime Giorgio. Giorgio from the Federation. Yeah. I think she's probably been just told that, maybe. I I think maybe she's been, she probably would have been told that, but not, like, experienced it for herself. Maybe so, yeah. Go on, then. We'll, We'll let her off. We'll let her off. I'm just saying I'm keeping an eye on her. I'm not convinced she's right for security just yet. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, so then we get we've seen that we're having like a, a proper western setup, and in true western fashion then the cavalry arrives in the form of Giorgio and this is where the tables are turned really on the, the bad guys yeah like he tells one of his henchmen shooter and she goes I wouldn't do that he's going to get you killed <laughs> yeah no she's I... brilliant I love, like, you can tell the second that Giorgio walks in there, she has sized up the whole joint. She's noticing yeah. everything. She, like, she knows how many, like, uh, feet away that person <clears throat> is, at what angle exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's ready to do the spinning kick and, like, and uh, kick ass and take names. Up until that moment, I was worried for Saru and Tilly, but then as soon as Giorgio turned up, you're like, oh, these guys are done. <laughs> yeah, you haven't got a chance. <laughs> Yeah. It goes to the old um, thing on uh, Austin Powers where it's like, oh, come on. You haven't even got your a name badge on. Just, do you want to just lie down just <laughs> yeah. to pretend like, like when Michael Caine's in it? Because like, Yes, that's brilliant. Uh, and the guy, because the guy says sarcastically, like, oh, a one-woman tactical response, and you're like, yep, that is exactly what she is. Yeah. <laughs> you are so in trouble now. Yeah, and yeah, we get some really cool action with lots of neck snapping going on by where she jumps up and hooks the guy with a leg and breaks his neck. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but they do a lovely effect here, and the blood vessels burst in his eyes. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, and his eyes just go red. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's incredibly Which, graphic. Like, this episode has got some quite gruesome... Yeah, the that... Really it, the rating of that's the really... Because um, neck snapping and the sound of neck snapping is one of the big things that the the sensors are really funny about. Like, when I know... I don't know if it's exactly the same in America, but I know the, the BBFC that certifies films in England, they're really funny about it. It's like... Um, Basically, if you want to get a 12A rating, you can't have the sound of a neck snapping. You can have people getting the neck snapped as long as you don't hear it. Um, so if you watch Taken 2, um, loads of people get the neck snap, but there's just no noise. And it's that's what they had to do to get it as a 12A. Whereas Taken 1, they, they were happy with an 18, so, you know, pretty brutal. But... Yeah, so what I'm saying is, like, for a, even though it's a streaming show, like, still for a, a TV show to have, you know, neck snapping left, right, and the detail of the, the blood in the eyes, that I didn't notice it myself, but yeah, that's yeah. pretty gruesome. I mean, the other thing, which, like, sorry, I know I'm stepping back a bit, but, like, you know, we were just talking about the effects and stuff. I do love it when he's um, crafting the part and he's just using, it looks like artisan 3D printing where he's kind of designing yeah, it Yes, what do they call it? Uh, something matter. Uh, yeah. Controllable matter or something. Not, not that. Programmable matter. Programmable matter, yeah. that's it. That was nice. And it's because the same as if, oh, welcome to the future, this is 
progress is it that different to a replicator is it i'm not yeah. i'm not sure but maybe you can make things with this that you can't make well, with a replicator like they make a mineral out of it like they make this thing whatever this metal is that the rubidium or something, something like it. that yeah and they obviously haven't got enough and they obviously can't replicate it yeah maybe they could buy next gen times but this is before then but yeah, but you need programmable matter to make it. So yeah, so they fix the comms thing. They 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 do a bit of frontier justice on the guy, don't they? Like they say, Saru says you can choose his fate, and mm, is that a bit of a nasty streak coming from Saru? Because we we've established that these guys technically are part of the Federation, so Saru would be within his rights to go well. We'll take him to our brig, and when we reconnect with the Federation, we'll try him. But instead, he's like, you know what? Just uh, yeah, do what you want. I think this is honestly Saru being kind of very uh, pragmatic. Like he realizes they're not in their time; they don't have the Federation even there. They're not equipped to like that. They'll be lucky if they get the ship out in one piece. Yeah, I think understanding this is their world. They've given everything to him. He's already kind of been um, wanting to repay them back, and I yeah. think by by putting it in their hands and believing in them to do the right thing, he is putting it... Uh, it's almost like repaying them in trust. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But I think that's kind of beautiful. Very, very well, stuffy. And it is. And well, the fact that the guy doesn't kill him is, is good. Well, that's very Star Trek as well. He, does, he, does he kill him? Because well... Because he's sending him out into the night, into this parasitic ice. It's a, it's a very... It's he a very. Die, he's not dead. He's coming back. It's a. It's a very Batman-y, Like I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. That sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little bit. Look, let's face it. It is not the kindest thing to do, but it's not. It's by far not the meanest. It's at least give him a little hope, a little chance. Yeah. And obviously, you don't want to kill him off, so you can bring him back in another episode, which is clearly why they've. Done maybe that. yeah, we'll maybe see him yeah. in a hill of bean at the barbers and got a more menacing hairdo, and no. then. But then, so we think he could be a recurring baddie. He could be, yeah. We'll yeah, see. I, I, I don't see why you don't kill him if you're not going to bring him back. Like, it, yeah. it, again, given that they're doing that, they plotted it very well. But I think it was pretty obvious. Like, unless you, you can bring him back, unless it is just to show that these guys are capable of some degree of mercy. I don't know, but yeah, I won't be surprised if we see this guy again. I, I think just fulfill that role as well. I think it's got a double. And they they leave the the guys with his ship and everything, and we're more or less wrapping up the episode. Then, so we get back to the ship. Stamets manages to fix it after getting in more trouble with Culber for doing stuff he shouldn't be doing in Jeffrey's tubes. And yeah, they're all ready to take off and everything, but the ship's not quite got the power, and they get rescued by the tractor beam. What did you think of this effect when it's on the planet's surface trying to take off mm. and it's got the ice going over and it's shaking, shaking from side to side? I, I thought this looked very much like um, sort of old 70s, 80s sci-fi with mm. someone on top of it just shaking. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I don't it, know. It it didn't... I, I actually had to watch the scene a few times and it was... Because first time I watched it, it was sort of like, that looks like something from Doctor Who back in the 70s, Tom Baker years. 
one. I, I thought it was all right. It, I didn't notice that. I, I'll have to yeah. rewatch that bit now. Unless you've got much sort of much more rose tinted memories of some of the Tom <laughs> Baker Doctor Who's. <laughs> I thought it. It actually looks really cheesy. Is why it. I, did, I, I mean, again, I must admit, I it didn't jump out at me like that, but um, I don't yeah, know. It, it was just my first impression when I saw it shaking from side to side, and it looked like it just had some of thrown on top of me. It's literally been moved. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I'll have to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll have to give it another watch. See if it. See, you've probably ruined it now, forever now that you've pointed that out, but. Um, so they get when they get the tractor beam and everything, and there's sort of a moment there where, again, we're seeing how great a captain Saru's turning into because it, they assume it's an enemy. I mean, obviously, we as the audience are thinking, yeah, it's not going to be. But he has to decide, do I fire on them or do I speak to them? And he decides yeah. to speak to them, which is great. I didn't think straight away that this was going to be Michael, though. I thought it was the colonists because they leave the bad guy's ship with the colonists and I thought that was going to be the payoff of the episode that they'd help the colonists, then the colonists come and help them. Don't you think this actually ruined this episode because the whole episode, we've seen how capable the crew are of repairing Discovery, sorting problems out without Burnham, and then at the end of it, they can't get out of the ice. It's parasitic ice, and it'll trust the ship. And Burnham comes along and tracks beams them out. Um, yeah, I think so, and the end. The whole after all this with the crew doing all this great stuff, it has to end with Burnham saved the day. I get what you mean, but for me, I just guess like the way I saw it was like kind of the episode was over. They've done everything to get out of it. But they're a bit stuck, so you get a um, excuse to bring them all back together. But I, you are right; I just never considered. It. For me, it was kind of more. Uh, I, I just think that it did that, and it's what we talked about. We've talked about this in this episode that that always make Burnham the yeah, centre I mean, of it somehow, I, and they've managed. She's only in this episode for thirty seconds, and yet they make it that it's Burnham once again who saves them. I can see I mean, it both ways. Like, I, I, for like me... They could have got off the surface and then Burnham was arriving it, coming out of warp or slipstream. As yeah, they, they could have done that. Got back into space. They, they could have done. Um, and as I say, I, I think I would have liked it more had it been the colonists who came and rescued them. So I think it would have given the episode more of a sense of symmetry and it would have kind of reinforce yeah. the themes of the Federation working together and all of this stuff. And I, I would have liked that. And like you said, they could have gone into space and, oh, we're receiving a hail from a ship that's coming in and it's Burnham. Um, but I, I don't think having Burnham rescue them was done in any way to undermine the crew or anything. I think it was, I think it was just a dramatic shorthand way of doing it so that next episode we can pick up from where we are Uh, what i did for a second like i i thought oh my god they're gonna do something really cheesy and i thought we were gonna get that shot of burnham and she says it's been a whole year and i thought buck was gonna walk in with a baby in his arms and go (laughs) like oh go to your mummy 
and she and it, and it was just going to be oh my god and <laughs> and just for a second like my stomach just crunched up and I thought no, no please don't do that and they didn't so that's okay not that I have any objection to Michael settling down and having kids and stuff but I just thought this is going to be so cheesy please don't do that the other story I should tell is when I was watching this with Nicola um, who sadly got uh, called away on a mini away mission tonight but uh we're watching it and she said like the bit where Giorgio's like kicking ass and flipping around and all this stuff. She goes like, Oh God, I'd love to see the porno with her. Eh, Ian? And I'm like, so like said in the episode, I go, Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. And then there's a bit a minute later when they give them the <laughs> personal transporter. Yeah. And I went, Ooh, as if they got a personal transport. Now Nicholas going, so that gets an ooh, but me saying <laughs> porno with Giorgio doesn't get anything from you. <laughs> I am well, that much of a nerd. I got my head turned more, more by a personal transporter than the the ever sexy Giorgio. Well, you know what? Why can't you have both? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Have, <laughs> her and a personal transporter. Now you're talking. Absolutely, and you know, I'm sure that if that's what you're looking for, I am sure there will be websites out there that can accommodate you, whether it's the personal transporter or the other thing. No. Do we think say? that they're going to be able to reproduce these personal transports? Because there's been lots before the show, this new season aired, where there's new com badges. Yeah. So do we think uh, these new that they're going to be able to replicate these personal transporters, and it's going to become the new com badges that they wear? Well, I think going from the episode title, I think next week's episode is called New Earth. Um, and I've read a brief synopsis which basically says they go back to Earth. So I think we're going back to Earth next episode, so maybe that's where they'll get kitted out with the new combat jades. Maybe they will be transports as well. It feels like everybody's got one. Like, Buck had one, these scuffers in a mining colony have got them, so... Yeah, it seems like it's like a, an everyday... A bit like how everyone has a mobile phone. Yeah. I think it's pretty much, uh, you know, little six-year-old kids have got personal transporters. It's yeah. disgusting. Two things now, I want to be discussed. Samsung, or will it be? You've got the iPhone 1000 with transporter capability. No, the two things you've got in this new brave future: it's personalized transporter com badges and budgie alarm clocks. Everyone's got one. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Except no, because that guy's been on that. Um, that space station for 40 years, budgie alarm clocks are out. It's like cockatoos <laughs> or something, or ravens or some of the in thing. Now, I, I like to think he's actually, maybe he's even invented that. He's going to bring it back to us. He's a pioneer. He's got like, he, that's how he subsidizes that job. He's got his own Etsy shop and he sells do the budgie alarm clock. Do we think when they go back to Earth that we're still going to have, um, Earth is still going to be Federation? I think so. I think Earth will be. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I saw a tweet, uh, going back to tweets again, uh, by Michael Okuda, you know, obviously famously designs all the, the Okudagrams in the background and all this stuff. And he designed the Federation flag. And um, on the Federation flag, there's four stars that are more prominent than any others. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, three. And somebody asked him recently, like, were they meant to represent Earth, Vulcan, and Andoria? And he said, like, well, no, because 
when they asked me to design the flag, they'd not decided that those were the founding planets of the Federation, so I just made three of them bigger. And, you know, I thought maybe this stood for, like, you know, maybe integrity and freedom and, you know, maybe what the principles of the Federation were. So, uh, but I always imagine one of them must be Earth and those three are still on that flag that we saw last episode. So I think, yes, I think Earth is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next week anyway, so... Well, I hope it is. I hope it is Federation. I hope they accept it. And... I'm hoping next week we'll, if we're back on Earth, it's Federation control still, that we'll get some answers of what the burn really is and what happened. Mm-hmm. And we'll also get that because the Discovery can still move around easy because of the spore drive, yeah. that they're given a mission within the Federation. Yeah, I I think something like that will happen and they'll have to go out to the far-flung colonies to try and rebuild kind of thing. Yeah. Because as much as I enjoyed this week's episode, I must admit, for me, like the one one small critique like I could give it is that after we spent all of last week kind of like arriving in the future Mm. and kind of getting a bit of a lay of the land, even though there's so much still to discover, doing that again this week, it's like, yeah, that's cool, and I understand why we're doing it, but it's like, you know, sort of did that last week, you know, now I do want to get into the meeting, yeah. like, yeah, well, looking, like, where the yeah. series is actually going. Like, you know. say, like, I've got a nasty feeling that we could see quite a lot next week, or in coming up, of Burn and what she's done for a year. I really hope I'm wrong, and that we do like James said, and we just have the first five minutes is, yeah, it's kind of like this, 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 this. Or just bits here and there throughout the episode of her, like remembering her year yeah. whilst they get on with the business of what we're doing. Yeah, it is one. It's one of those things that quite often the start of a new season will suffer from. Is you finish your season with this big massive cliffhanger that disperses all the characters and sends someone here, there, and everywhere. But depending on how big you make your cliffhanger is proportionate to the amount of time you've then got to spend resetting the status quo to some extent so that we can get back to the storytelling. And, you know, shows like, I think, um, Lost was a really good example of this where they would do these massive cliffhangers and then the first episode of the new season would be all about Jack and Kate, and then it'd be, oh, what's going on on the other side of the island with Sawyer and so-and-so, and and, right, so then what's going on back on dry land with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so? And And it wouldn't be until about episode four that you're actually settled down to just getting back on with the story because we've had to spend so long... Yeah, I think 13 episodes, we've spent two of them finding out what the crack is. Let's get on with it now. And hopefully that's where we'll go. So before we wrap up, then any last thoughts on that one, Squee? Uh, no, I, I think again another really uh, solid episode. I sort of do see a way in which you might have been able to dice this together with the other one, and like had it as a surprise at the end there in different times. So mm-hmm. it could have appeared there in two different parts of the planet. That'd have been interesting. And the episode it turns out there in different time. That could have been interesting. But again, I'm sort of like. Um, uh, what does they call it? Armchair, armchair quarterbacking. Like they did a wonderful job with this. It was a really kind of cool idea. I do want next episode, as we've all said, to just get into the meat of yeah. it now. 
Yeah. Elliot, anything else on that one? Yeah. Pretty much what Squee says. It was another really good episode. I, I enjoyed seeing how Discovery came through and what they had to do. Like I say, I wish that they hadn't been rescued in the last seconds of it by Vernon. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens next week. But... but I now want to see, see what's actually going to happen, what the mission yeah. is for the episode. Find out this, where we're going. I mean, I it, it wouldn't make for the most riveting drama necessarily. But I'd be perfectly happy next episode if they get back to Earth and the whole episode is them just sat in a room with people from Starfleet asking them questions and getting answers. Just, and uh, then what happened? What, and then what happened? What could be a really good tangent to go on is... Uh, oh, an interesting tangent is... Because we obviously want to know about the burn. Is to actually have quite a lot of the episode show us it happen. Mm. So... The Discovery crew not even involved in a lot of the episode that we've seen some from a hundred years before. See, maybe, but again, that'd be just kind of taking even longer before we get to the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you narratively do that. I, I think it could be interesting. Again, like you have got this thing whereby you can bypass a lot of um, stuff you don't want to do in a boring way by the fact that Burnham's already been there for a year. She can very quickly. Fill yeah. in on a few bits, yeah. so we get on with it. I think that is that would be a good way of, of spending. Yeah, and like, it, she's if, kind of a year ahead of them. If we are going to show the burn, I'd say do it how they did the Mars attacks in Picard. Like do it pre-credit sequences, couple of minutes here and there. Yeah, but let's have the main episode being an that episode. Works really well in Picard. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll find out, hopefully, some more answers next week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter, at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Or you can come and join us on Facebook, search for Retrek, and you'll find the group. Let us know what you thought about this episode, what you think is going to happen next week. Um, thank you again, Dr. Squee, for letting us come on your live stream. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I, yeah, I, I know I keep on inviting myself on. If you wanted to do it one more week, I wouldn't object. Well, it, yeah, I'm up for it. This has been fun. For another week, uh, it'd be a shame to waste it, wouldn't it? I've, I've got to admit, I'm enjoying the hell out of doing this. Yeah, no, I'm loving it. It's a fun way to do it. This is one of the most dynamic uh, series beginnings we've had like, yeah. so far. Discovery's <laughs> been very good for that already. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. No, more than happy to do that. So, yeah, yeah well, in that, in that case then, yeah. Same Trek time, same Trek channel, and we'll um, we'll see you on the retrack. <laughs>